So one of the beautiful, and for me, one of the very trustworthy things about this practice is that we always begin right where we are. We always begin right here. And we can begin again. We can always begin again and again. So what we're really practicing is awareness. And there's no limit to the number of times that we can forget and remember to be aware. This is rather radical. It's not what we mostly hear from our culture. It's kind of a 180-degree shift. Mostly we hear, you know, you should do it this way. You don't want to make any mistakes. You don't want to forget. So we're really kind of turning our approach to life in a very different direction. So not to be surprised if it takes practice. This is why we call this meditation practice. It's just, it's practice. It's practice for 30 years, for 60 years, for however much time we have. There's no performance. It's all practice. So there's no completion in the sense of this process being, uh, you know, you get the gold star and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. It's, it's much more organic and it's much more alive. It's continually unfolding. It's really inspiring for me to meet with you, and I always feel like I don't arrive in the retreat until after a few interviews. Um, It's so touching to me how many people come from so many different um, places and walks of life, and all with the intention and the, the aspiration to become more free to become more happy, to become more alive. You know, we might each have a different way to describe what brings us here. But as you sit together at lunch or you pass each other on the path or you sit beside someone, um, especially those who are our gifts, who maybe irritate us a little bit or cause a little bit more noise in the hall than you might prefer, you can guess, because I've heard your your stories, you can guess that everyone has um, that longing, that longing. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be even a little more content would be fine. (laughs) So just to begin to see each other that way, I start to see you all after I've had a a few moments alone with a few people uh, in the interview. I get to see in, and it's so so helpful. And since you don't get to see, you don't get to hear the story, but you get to, I just want to point out that you do get to feel the presence of of all of this, the Sangha, which is our support for this week. So I want to begin tonight with a few minutes of practice. And actually, during this evening, I'd like to keep coming back to practice, to directly experiencing what's happening, to keep coming home. I don't think that we can be invited back to our direct experience often enough. So. I was uh, sitting here kind of moving my shoulders and I was thinking maybe that's what we ought to bring ourselves to. So maybe just to, in some quiet, subtle, or large way, (laughs) find a way of just moving in the shoulders so that you wake up some sensation there. Find your own way into this. Just a little movement. Stretching without any strain. You don't need to make this too much of a strain. It's just a little movement. 
just to invite the shoulders to wake up. And coming to stillness and noticing at the level of the elemental energies, what, what do you feel? What do you notice? Can someone say what you're noticing? What's the feeling there? Tingly. Tingly. What else? Warmth. Fluidity. Burning. So we're not looking for anything in particular. We're not looking for any special experience. We're looking for the actual experience. There's not a a right sensation to find at any moment. It can be anything. Philip said last night or sometime that, you know, Julie just loves to talk about the elemental awareness. Well, it's true, I do. Because it is the way to drop out of the realm of concept into what is real into what it can be known directly. It's like swimming in the waters of life without all of our ideas, our ideas about life, Inter, um, without being mediated. It's not, we're not mediating our experience so much when we begin to drop in a little bit to the body. So I want to just ask you to... Take just another minute, now letting your eyes close. And now I invite you to notice the earth. Notice what's holding you. Feeling the solidity of the earth. The feeling of safety of grounding. See how much you can give in to gravity. Maybe you could drop a little bit in the shoulders, the muscles and soft tissues of the face. Soften a little bit. Letting the earth hold you up. From the first moment of our lives to the last, the earth is here offering herself as a support as a refuge. We can rest in this. And notice what happens as you offer yourself this place of rest. You might notice that the breath may relax a bit. maybe some habitual holding. Could begin to give in a little bit. To let go. And you might begin to notice that the breath wants to flow by itself, that there's nothing you need to do but allow the breath. You might begin to notice that the exhale 
is a natural moment for release, for letting go. Whatever you may be holding, whatever extra you might be carrying just now. With each breath, with each exhale, we can let go a little more of whatever is extra. Extra holding in the body, in the mind, in the heart. And you might notice one more thing, that there's a big space here that we're sitting in this vast space of this room, of this silence, of the land. And that there's room here for whatever we each may be bringing to this moment. Whatever we're each holding. And so this generous and inclusive kind of awareness is here for us as we continue tonight. I invite you to stay as close to your body as you can. Nothing I'm saying is more important than your connection with your body, with your life. This is really what brings us here. We want to come home. We want to be alive not to miss our lives. That's one of the reasons we come here. I don't want to miss my life. I realize I'm missing something. I'm missing something essential. So um, I want to invite you to a poem. You can open your eyes or keep them closed for this, actually. This is a poem which I'd like to share um, because I think it might remind us about why we're doing this practice. I think it's a poem, although you never know what a poem is really about, but I think it's about presence and awareness and embodiment in the midst of ordinary life. And basically, I'm reading it to you just because I really love it. And I was just kind of looking for someone to share it with. It's from Billy Collins. Shoveling snow with Buddha. Shoveling snow with Buddha. In the usual iconography of the temple or the local walk, you would never see him doing such a thing tossing the dry snow over the mountain of his bare, round shoulder, his hair tied in a knot, a model of concentration. Sitting is more his speed, if that is the word for what he does or does not do. Even the season seems wrong for him. In all his manifestations, is it not warm and slightly humid? Is this not implied by his serene expression, that smile so wide it wraps itself around the waist of the universe? But here we are, working our way down the driveway, one shovelful at a time. We toss the light powder into the clear air. We feel the cold mist on our faces, and with every heave we disappear. We become lost to each other in these sudden clouds of our own making, these fountain bursts of snow. This is so much better than a sermon in church, I say out loud. But Buddha keeps on shoveling. This is the true religion, the religion of snow and sunlight and wild winter geese barking in the sky, I say. But he is too busy to hear me. He has thrown himself into shoveling snow as if it were the purpose of existence, as if the sign of a perfect life were a clear driveway. One you could back the car down easily and drive off into the vanities of the world with a broken heater fan and a song on the radio.
All morning long, we work side by side, me with my commentary, and he inside the generous pocket of his silence. Until the hour is nearly noon and the snow is piled high all around us, then I hear him speak. After this, he asks, can we go inside and play cards? Certainly, I reply, and I will heat some milk and bring cups of hot chocolate to the table while you shuffle the deck and our boots stand dripping by the door. Ah, says the Buddha, lifting his eyes and leaning for a moment on his shovel before he drives the thin blade again deep into the glittering white snow. Hmm. So he threw himself into shoveling snow as if it were the purpose of existence. It makes me think of our whole practice, which is when sitting, only sit, when walking, only walk, when shoveling snow, only shovel snow. After I've read this about five times, I noticed there might be a koan in this poem. A koan is a kind of mind-stopping question. And this is what I think the koan might be. Who is this Buddha? Anybody have any thoughts about that? Okay, I'll leave you with the poem and I'll read it again at the end of the retreat because I noticed that I'm taking a long time to make it through these notes. So uh, you can just let that be a mind-stopping poem for you um, or not, as you wish. But I'll read it again at the end of the retreat and ask you the, ask you the question, who is the Buddha? So the question, the real question is, why don't we live like this? Why don't we just walk when walking and sit when sitting and live in the present moment and live in the body? It's a good question. If it's so highly recommended. (laughs) It seems that when we awaken the awareness which actually already lives in the body, we're, we're awakening to the awareness that already lives here. We're not bringing in something new from another, from outside. We're, we're inviting this awareness that lives in us to be, to be known. And this process this says of awakening the awareness in the body is like opening a gift. The gi- and it's the gift of our whole lives. It's, it's not a small thing. It's like it keeps unfolding. It continues to be revealed. And really what is being revealed is the nature of the body, which is the nature of life. And the gift includes it all, including the parts of the aspects of the nature of life which are not so easy to be with. So here's a story for you, a short story, which many of you know very well. I have the, this little short synopsis of this story on my wall at my office and in my, in my home uh, to remind me. It's that essential. <coughs> so it's, a, it's a story about Ajahn Chah. And someone came to him and said, uh, you know, I've been listening to your teachings and you're talking all the time about... Um, how, you know, life is impermanent and we don't know what's going to happen next. And, and he said, how can you be happy in a world of such impermanence where you can't protect those you love from harm, from illness, from death? So Ajahn Chah held up a, a glass, a water glass, and he said, you see this glass? So someone gave me this glass. It's, 
it's lovely, it's clear, I can see the light through it, I can see the, the, the sunlight sparkling in the glass. I can drink my water from it, I can um, touch it, and it, it, um, it, it makes a beautiful ringing sound. And he said, and, you know, any day the wind may knock it off of the shelf. Or one day my elbow may knock it off and it may break. And he said, for me, this glass is already broken. And so I can enjoy it. I can, I can see its precious. I can see its preciousness. Because for me, it's already broken. I know that is its nature. I won't be so surprised. I also won't be holding on to it and worrying about it all the time because I understand that is its nature. It's the nature of all of life, of every one of us. It's the open secret that we, in our culture, have a hard time opening to. And living in the present moment and in the direct experience of life requires of us that we include this, that we allow ourselves to awaken to the, to the preciousness of life, the impermanence and preciousness. It's like two parts of the same mystery. We can't really get the preciousness until we stop holding on to the idea that it's going to be here forever. It's a paradox, one of those paradoxes of living in the material world, in the world of duality. We have to include both in our awareness. So in our culture, we may notice that the realities of the body, of the aging and the inevitable changes that happen in life to our bodies, the illness and age and death, it's all treated as a failure. The inevitable, inevitable realities are treated as symptoms to be treated or fixed or hidden. Mostly we learn to override even just basic tiredness, just our basic everyday ordinary tiredness. And we often find we come into a retreat and we realize how deeply exhausted and tired we are from living in so much denial. And often whatever has not been felt, whether it's tiredness or something else, whatever has not been included, has not been, um, may, we, we have not been willing to include, to allow, to feel, begins to make itself known. And it's good, because this is true, one of the reasons I want us to go in and out of a little practice tonight is that it's good to have some some refuges, some places where we can feel safe and grounded and where we can go to rest in the midst of the unfolding of whatever may unfold in the process of the retreat and your life. It's good to have places that feel safe. So we began with the earth, that sense that the earth is a pretty safe, reliable refuge. Now we are in California and every now and then it doesn't feel so stable, but mostly, you know, relatively speaking, we can count on the earth to be here. And we can let ourselves be held. We can practice that. We can over and over again come back to that sense of the stability, the safety of the earth. The space and the earth together are almost like a cocoon. The sense of there being so much space, and here we can really practice with space. I mean, you can look up and see a lot of space in case you haven't noticed. There's a lot of space in this room, even though there's a lot of people. There's a sense of space. It's the quietness, the sense of p- 
piece, and it, you can tell by the animals that this is a really pretty safe place. Um, relatively, everything's relative, yes. Relatively speaking, this land is a pretty safe refuge. And so to begin to allow that to come to you as you go through your retreat, to take it in, to make it real to you. And I want to ask you now to, um, you can do this without even, without closing your eyes, but you can close, it depends, uh, whatever you like. But just to now notice, is there a place inside your body that feels safe, that feels friendly? So it could be your hands, could be arms or legs, feet. And just touching lightly wherever that, whatever place calls to you, whatever place feels safe. And if, if you don't find anything just now, that's fine. You can also just go back to the earth. But I want to ask you to go into that, touching very lightly. And establish that refuge very respectfully, open to feeling the sensations, again, the elemental feelings in the hands or the arms or the legs or the feet or the sense of the contact with the earth, the place where you are resting on the earth. Maybe your refuge, that's a good one. If you're not having much, much luck noticing anything, just go to the place of contact where your body is resting on the earth, the weight of your body is pressing. And notice what's the sensation there, what's predominant. So again, it's not the idea or the name or the words about it. It's the direct sensing. Might be pressure, might be pulsation or tingling, vibration, warmth, coolness. And noticing how the energies are flowing or changing, the same or different from when you first noticed, when you first began, even in a few minutes, we may begin to notice, oh, the sensations are changing. They're not the same as they were. Maybe it starts out heat and then suddenly it's like ice. Or it's cool and now with your awareness you begin to notice, oh, Actually, it's like warmth or solidity may begin to feel spacious. So as I continue, you can stay with your exploration or let your awareness move into the rest of your body. Maybe just for a moment, we could all just take a moment very respectfully, again, touching lightly with your awareness with no demand and no expectation. We're not looking for anything special here. But just let your awareness now go into your whole body as you're resting here, resting on the earth. Just sitting and breathing and knowing that you're sitting and breathing. Nothing else you need to do. Noticing the sensations of aliveness. This most intimate contact with yourself, your own body. A field of energy 
a field of changing sensations. Sometimes comfortable, sometimes uncomfortable. So what's amazing and freeing is that as we gradually begin to drop out of our ideas about life into the direct sensing of life, feeling the sensations of life, and we start to feel life and sense life instead of just thinking about life. And if we, if we begin to let go a little bit, even a little bit, of our need to be comfortable every minute, and instead we become curious about what we're actually experiencing, the actual experience, not some special experience, the actual experience, which is different for everyone in this room in this moment. That's one of the things that makes it so precious. It's your doorway into life. It's your direct access in any moment that we wake up to this, we come home. And we begin to discover something that is the open secret of life. It's no longer really such a big secret. Modern science now has shelves and shelves of books proclaiming and describing in great detail from every angle this open secret. But it's also just what we we are pointed to in this practice. We begin to discover that all of the activity of life, all of the changing sensations, the ways we grasp and push and the pleasure and the pain and the joy and the sorrow and the anger and the sadness and all the activity of life, all the content, all the stories. It's all energy. Thoughts are energy. Have you noticed how thoughts arise and dissolve and arise and dissolve? Where's the thought you had this morning? Emotions, waves of emotions are energy, like waves, sometimes like fog banks that stick around for a while. But they're changing, whereas the feeling you had last week changed a few times since then. Sensations in the body, all energy. Energy and all of its changing forms. That's where the elemental language comes in the language of the elements, it takes us close to the direct experience, out of the realm of concept. And we have the possibility to discover by our direct experience that our essential nature, our true nature, is this flow, is this river of aliveness, this river of aliveness, that we're not as solid as we seem, that we're made of energy, this flow of energy in all of its forms, and that the nature of this energy is that, sometimes I say it, sometimes I say it wants to change. Its nature is to flow. Its nature is to move, to change forms. And 
when we start to bring the quality of attention that we're cultivating here to this. So it's the quality of presence which is generous and allowing and spacious and inclusive and not demanding and not looking for something special. When we start to bring this quality of attention, we begin to discover something. We discover that the energy that we sometimes experience as being so solid and so permanent, when we bring this quality of attention to it, it has the possibility of beginning to move and change and flow. So something that seems really real and solid and so, you know, permanent, like anger, can start to move and start to flow and change into something quite unexpected, something like clarity, something like fog bank, the fog bank of confusion, can start to clear and become vast space. In the language of the Buddha, this is called anicca, change, impermanence. My teacher's teacher, the Burmese master, Ubakin, focused his teaching right here at this point. He said, if we can notice, just notice whether something's pleasant or unpleasant or comfortable or uncomfortable, or somewhere in between, just notice that. And instead of following that into the story about it, about, you know, if only I could, you know, find the right sitting posture, I could do this. You know, the story about, you know, it's really uncomfortable and I just can't do it, I don't want to stay with this. Or the story about, I know how this came about, if only I had, you know, been a little more careful, I had this injury, or etc., etc. We all have a different story, and the story keeps changing. But our tendency is, when there's a strong sensation of pleasure or, or pain, or a strong sensation that's really comfortable or really uncomfortable, we go very quickly into the story about it, which takes us into the past and into the future. And so the practice that he's offering is, if you can just stay with the sensation, you can also just stay in the present. And in the present is where the liberation happens. If you follow the sensation, the changing sensation, instead of the story, he said, we can have a taste of freedom. There can be an unwinding of the accumulations in the body, the ways that the body carries all of the holding, all of the ways that we cling, all of the ways that we identify, all the ways that for our lifetime and maybe lifetimes we've been accumulating these holdings. So just by staying with the sensations, breathing with it, letting it flow, feeling it, we can stay in the moment. We can ride the waves of the changing sensations and stay present, moment to moment, the unfolding, the moment to moment flow of life. Well, when I heard my teacher say this, I had no idea what she really was talking about. But I knew that, was what I, that it was what I wanted. I knew it was what I was longing for. And so I started following her around. <laughs> I just followed her around. I had no idea what she was talking about. It was really, really vague to me. I thought it was something mystical, which I had clearly no access to. Well, you know, it it turned out it it was something mystical and also totally ordinary because she was inviting me to 
have a direct experience of who I really am, which is totally mysterious and totally ordinary and can be touched through this practice. So I'll tell you a story about this, which I I thought of recently because I I recently moved and uh, into a new home. And as I've been gradually unpacking boxes, um, I've uncovered treasures, long buried treasures, um, and lots of precious things. And I was reminded of a story that I told uh, many times through the years and I'd kind of forgotten about. But during the time I was following Ruth around, um, <clears throat> first I have to tell you a little bit about her. She, she did uh, the kind of guided meditation, come into the body, feel the sensations. Um, but she has a particular way of describing things in her very eccentric and wonderful way. <clears throat> and she has a, a, a way of speaking that's also quite unique. She says, feel the sensations, darling. Feel the vibration. Feel the, feel the aliveness. Feel the pulsing. You know, and so she's saying sensations. And for years, I didn't even know what a sensation was. <laughs> I kept wondering, what is a sensation? So with her accent, she kept me there. She kept me interested for a long time with her mysterious way of teaching. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I stayed around uh, long enough that one day she said, finally, Feel the sensations, feel the vibrations, feel the pulsation. And then she said, feel the numbness, darling. Feel the numbness. She said, numbness is also a sensation. (laughs) And I said, oh, I can feel numbness. (laughs) And it was like, she named what I was feeling. Finally, she acknowledged that what I was feeling was included. And I was just the sort of person who needed that. I needed somebody to paint a picture of me and put me in the picture and say, you're included. And, and as soon as she said this, it, it began to open. And what I had considered to be and felt to be this solidity, this kind of numb, solid, uh, impenetrable solidity, I began to just begin to touch a little bit with awareness, to just explore. And I realized, oh, she's, she's talking about the actual experience. She's not talking about something myster- mystical. It's like, oh, there's actually, you know, there's there's other things here. It's not just this solid wall. And, and finally, I began to realize that what I had, I had experienced and had thought was a wall was actually a doorway. And it led me into the exploration that um, has continued for 30 years. So... Um, so she was, uh, this was probably the most important insight in 30 years. Um, it seems really ordinary and kind of, kind of uh, um, not such a great enlightenment story, but it's the only one I have. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell it, I do tell it a lot. So... Um, so I, what I found, this is what I found. So I have a show and tell. You can open your eyes now. So what I found, packed away, um, is the rest of the story, which is that uh, a, a woman who comes to many retreats, comes to a retreat every year with me, and um, she's a gardener. She often brings me herbal things and flowers and things. And... Um, <clears throat> just different kind of gifts that have to do with flowers. 
Um, so one year she came to the retreat and she, um, she said, I have a story, an incredible story to tell you. This is a fairly young woman. She said, this year, she said, I had a stroke. And for a, a while I had, I couldn't talk. And it was this amazing story of, of this. She actually had a stroke and because the intervention happened so quickly or something mysterious, I don't, I don't quite understand, but she had completely recovered. But it was an incredible shock to her system. And so when she came in, I could tell something had closed in her. Something had shocked her system. There had been a trauma. And I could feel it in her presence. Uh, it wasn't uh, uh, physical. It was energetic. And I could just sense it. And, and so um, it must have been, I, I don't know exactly what happened in that retreat. And I don't remember if I actually told this story or if she had just heard it so many times. <laughs> but at the end of the retreat, she came and handed me this little rolled up piece of paper and when I un, 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 unrolled it, she had written, she had created the word numb in flowers. And she wrote a note to go with this that said, thank you, I can feel myself again. The way she expressed it was that she created the letters of the word N-U-M-B, numb, and it's all made of flowers. There's actually not any letters here. It's just flowers. Um, so I'm going to hang this on the wall in my study to remind myself um, of this um, importance of staying with what... The, the one thing that you want to leave out. We all have something that we don't want to include, that we think is left out. You know, I have some part of me, or you have something... You know, something that's just um, doesn't seem like we should really be including it. It's too uncomfortable, it's too embarrassing, it's too simple, it's too ordinary, it's too not very spiritual, or anyway, you could probably understand what I mean by this. Something that seems impossible to include. Even this, even this. We make space for it in this practice. Joanna Macy says, All our sensations are signs of life. All of our sensations are signs of life. Telling us of our true nature. Telling us of our deep interconnectedness. Our inseparability from each other, from the forest, from the all of life, all the parts of life, the natural world. We are made of the same stuff, made of the same energies as all of life. When I heard this, it had a big impact on me when I heard Joanna say this. It was as if a deep loneliness was healed because I realized I'm not so alone here. I'm part of life. It's amazing how alone we can feel. But there's just this insight that I'm made of energy. Somehow this information gave me permission to begin to live more in my body, to live more in the sensations. As if there were nothing more precious than this direct experience of life. (coughs) So I invite you just to let your eyes close. And let's just breathe together. Just breathe together.
this is a, a little passage, a passage from Ajahn Moon, who's one of the elders. In your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature. See the elements that comprise it. See the impermanence, the suffering, the selflessness of the body while you're sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of mind can shine forth timeless and delivered. Timeless and delivered. Thank you. This talk was given by Julie Wester at Spirit Rock Meditation Center on June 3, 2007. It is an offering of... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.